0: What's up humans? This is the Revenue Real Hotline. I'm your host, Amy Rahovček. Big thank you for checking out the show. That was Brie Sprague. Brie is currently leading engineering projects over at Science with a C, a pivot Brie made after about six months there as a, a video SDR. And today we get deeper into Brie's story and how she managed to execute career pivots with grace, intention, and resilience. We also get into the art and science of influence, which is, in my experience, the ultimate mark of a masterful seller. I started this podcast to ask the tough questions around how revenue is created, the questions no one else was asking, and to better understand the uncomfortable conversations that followed. Every Tuesday and Thursday, I'll bring you a revenue human shaking up the business of sales regardless of title. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe to the show or head on over to RevenueReel.com and let me know how we're doing in the form of a review. Feedback is my love language, friends, and it is the season of introspection for sure. And with that, enjoy. Bree Sprague, welcome to the Revenue Real Hotline. Oh my gosh, I, I'm so jacked to like, you know, for this conversation for a bunch of reasons, which I'll share with you in a second, but like, welcome, welcome, welcome.
1: Thanks. I am like, I'm stoked that you asked me to, to do this and always great to chat with you and to catch up and to learn from you. So I'm ready.
0: Ooh, so let's record our ridiculousness and like publish it for all of time so everyone could hear. <laughs> so listeners, it's been a, a hot second since I've had someone that I have such a, like a uh, I want to say backstory or history, uh, whatever relationship we want to put on it, Ray. But uh I, I don't know. I, for one, I'm very excited to like, you know, lead into that comfort here, which means that the conversations that we get to talk about should be all that more uncomfortable. Which uh leads me to the business, which I like to start with. Let's get the business out of the way. So our target audience is the experienced tech seller. The theme of the show is conversations. About uncomfortable conversations and sales, or uncomfortable conversations of sales, of which I'm sure we have plenty to choose from. There is only one rule, and that is that there are no damn rules on this show other than we keep it real. This is a judgment free zone, a mistake friendly zone, and a tangent friendly zone. Um, and I generally reserve the last 10 minutes for the final two questions that I, I ask everybody. So just so you know, I I'll put a little flag on that one and, and we'll pivot the conversation near the end. And generally I write down a bunch of things that we could possibly talk about. And I will read that back to each conversationalist that has been like lured onto the show and give them the option of where they'd like to start. But I figured before I... You know, bias the the conversation with my version of what that list should be. I'm curious. Like, number one, have did have you listened to any of these episodes? Like, do you have any idea what you've gotten yourself involved in? Number one, and number two, like, do you know? Have you given it any thought about what you want to talk about today?
1: I have listened to some of your episodes. It's always good to hear the uh, questions you ask and the fun the fun that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought about. Like what do I want to talk about? And I really have trust in your judgment as uh, the expert here to lead the conversation, and and um, I'm sure that we'll come up with some great things.
0: Oh, I love it. Okay, so I wrote down. So obviously your story, right? Your backstory to the extent that you you want to go there or talk about your foray into into tech sales in particular or prior to whatever. So any aspect of your story is always fun. It is women in sales month. Mm-hmm. So we could talk about selling while woman, we could talk about sales communities and how to um grow the impact that we have. Um, specifically, listeners, Bree and I work together over at Rev Genius pretty closely. So that's the context there. We could talk about breaking into tech sales.
1: Ooh, good one.
0: Um, which is a, something I know you have personal experience with, and <laughs> you know could absolutely speak to. And then any, I know that you're heavy or have a lot of experience with different perspectives on like go to market strategies and applications, given your your role, your current role at Science. Mm-hmm. So we could absolutely talk about that. So it's your story. It's women in sales. It's. Pivoting into tech sales or breaking into tech sales and what that what that's like. It's sales communities.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it is, you know, your take, your current take on like the the go-to-market scene, it, you know, just on a macro level. So with that, I'm going to pass the baton back to you, Bree. Where would you like us to begin?
1: Well, really, my my story and um breaking into tech sales, pivoting into tech sales really go hand in hand. So why don't we start there?
0: All right, let's do it. I, I mean, I'm not going to ask you a question. So tell, <laughs> tell me, tell me your story. So
1: I actually started looking into tech in about 2018, and from 2010 till 2020, I had my own business. I actually fell into it through LinkedIn. It was network marketing, which so many people Ooh, are like, "Oh,
0: so bad, right?" And well, we get to, we get to set them straight in a second, but continue. <laughs>
1: And um I did very well. I was I was in the national leadership with my company. Um, you know, not a lot of people make any money in network marketing. And and a lot of people say, well, it's a scam. Well, I disagree with that. I would say that it's actually um a willingness to work for something. Right. And when I found network marketing, I, I basically found this guy's profile on LinkedIn because it was um i was coming out of the recession my son had just almost died uh i had you know gone through bankruptcy and everything else so i was taking this class for indiana university as as for alumni that was for underemployed or unemployed alumni and that's when i first found linkedin and you know most people if you approach them the right way Mm -hmm. will talk to you and uh i found this guy in south florida who he had a great online personal training business because my background is actually in exercise science and training. Even though I did a stint in pharmaceutical sales and and some other types, um, I've always had a passion for for health and wellness. And this guy says to me, "Well, I'm actually pivoting out of you know the online training, and I'm going to be doing this 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 vitamin business." And I was like dude, I don't want to be part of your scam. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally ignorant. And most people to be fair, have had some type of bad experience with network marketing. You know, they think they're going to somebody's house for dinner and they get pitched, you know, it's kind mm-hmm. of like getting pitch slapped on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I, I basically said, you know, I don't want to be part of your business. He goes, but do you take vitamins? I said, sure. And he goes, okay. So I signed up with $79 of unemployment for a network marketing company. And within a decade, I turned that $79 $79 into three quarters of a million dollars. Mm -hmm. And I I really think the only reason that I was successful in that was because I had a willingness. I worked since I was 13 years old. I Mm -hmm. like to work. Mm -hmm. I like to make money. Mm -hmm. And, um, knowing that there were some non non non-negotiables in my life after Mm -hmm. having lost everything i had ever worked for in my Mm twenties due to bankruptcy and the recession, I found myself at a place where I took a job back in in fitness. I took a $45,000 base salary pay cut to Mm -hmm. go back to corporate fitness. Mm -hmm. Um, And my son was in afternoon childcare. It was absolutely a non-negotiable for me to have to ask my dad for $170 a month. To pay for YMCA after school childcare. Mm-hmm. So if all I had to do was go and ask somebody if they wanted to buy my little energy drink and they mm-hmm. said, no, well, mm-hmm. then I was going to find the next person who mm-hmm. wanted to buy my energy drink. Mm-hmm. And I got very good at using social media platforms to, to grow that business and to grow a team. And I had nearly 8,000 people on my team um, by the time that the company changed their compensation plan drastically in 2019. Mm-hmm. But like I said, in 2018, I was really starting to look into tech because of the fact that it was only it only if you build a network marketing business right, it doesn't take you much time to work it. And by by you know 2018, it took me about four hours a week to work my business. Mm-hmm. And when everybody else is working quote real jobs, you get pretty lonely. There's only so many times you can go to the gym. Yes. Yeah. So um, I started looking. I was in Indianapolis, and Indianapolis has a fairly large tech community, as you know. And it was interesting. The feedback I, I would get was, "Oh, well, you're overqualified to be an SDR. You should really be an account executive. Mm-hmm. Well, okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: well, let me be an account executive. Well, you have to start as an SDR. <laughs> well, chicken or egg, which yeah. one is it? Yeah <laughs> right? Yeah. So um, obviously COVID came around. Um, I had to figure out what do I want to be when I grow up? Still haven't fully figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I ended up, you know, re rekindling my relationships on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I took the Aspireship training course so I could have a certificate under my belt. Mm-hmm. And, um, I started networking and interviewing like crazy. Fortunately, my, my current position that I'm in, I had met my boss, Tim through, um, Rev Geniuses, Revenue Jobs, um, on, know on Wednesday nights. It was, okay. it was great clubhouse. Right. Okay. And, um, he and I had, he was with another company. It's back in February. He and I had a conversation. I thought he was fantastic. I'm like, I would love to work for you, Yeah. but his previous company would have required that I had to move to Savannah, Georgia. And I was mm-hmm. like, as lovely as Savannah, Georgia is, I'm not moving there. So I told him, Hey, if you ever have something that, that comes that you think my talents would be suited for
0: mm-hmm. hit me up. Yeah.
1: And, uh, he got, he got with science and he said, you know, it's time to build out this video. Are you interested? And I said, now you're talking my language. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, in general, all the interviewing, you know, SAS is so pretentious, like.
0: Wait, where, where, I'm going to pause you there. Cause we're going to get to this, but I, I just, I want listeners. Uh, I heard a couple of things and I want to call them out for their excellence. Um, and also just add one thing, what, what I love Brie about when I see or hear about someone that has excelled in multi-level marketing is that it requires, so you're, you're talking about essentially working with volunteers, right? You don't have a salary to offer okay. someone at the start at, in fact, it's, it costs money and it. Was one of the first things that I noticed about you when you and I met was just that you could see the mastery that you had developed on influence and how to cultivate influence and pull power without the traditional, like, you know, power dynamic where, where you're someone's boss, right. Do what I say, or else you're going to get fired or, you know, same thing with parents, teachers, whatever that positional authority. And you had not only were you demonstrating it and good at it, but you were fantastic. One of the best I had seen. And so like right off the bat, you know, there's pros and cons, of obviously the MLM, um, uh, for uh, just across the board, however, I I want to put that out there for those that are looking at resumes or looking at um, you know skills to cultivate. That is something that is really, really, really. I mean, you cannot pay enough to get the skills that Brie had already established by being able to work with and influence and inspire volunteers without any of the traditional nonsense, again, like that that title or what have you. Also a very helpful thing to apply while working with buying teams in particular. So that, that's the first thing, right? Everyone, a little bit more open-mindedness about you know someone's experience when they're brave enough to acknowledge that it's been an MLM at any point, that's the first thing. The second thing, Jesus, breathe the resilience that I heard in that, and um, I'd like again and again and again, it's just off the charts. And on the on the off chance that someone has not told you that today, like you are one of the most resilient human beings that I've ever encountered, and it is inspiring. To watch on a regular basis. And so just like hear me clearly, friend, like that's where it's at. I have Thank a quick you. question before we dig into like all that is wrong with the look-alike model while trying to recruit and you know, tech being so exclusive and like, you know, whatever annoying about it. How did you know that you wanted to pivot into tech? Like you, you said that with such um conviction. And that's generally what's required really to break into tech, but it also, I may be a little biased to someone that also works in tech, but it seems very, very, very fucking smart. How did you come to that decision that you wanted to pivot in this direction in the first place?
1: Well, generally I'm not, ai don't, I don't know how to stop. Uh, I i have to, I'm getting better at it, <laughs> um, but I need fast paced, fast moving environments. Mm-hmm. Um, and my previous business was up until the point that it was just on, you know, coast zone. And I, I kept looking at tech, especially being in Indianapolis. I knew a lot of people who worked for Salesforce before that, you know, they were exact target before that. Um, I knew, you know, people who work for form stack mm-hmm. and I just started exploring Different things that were were happening uh, in the tech world, and I thought, you know, this is really interesting. This is something that um, I think would definitely keep my attention because mm-hmm. I don't like being bored. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. I, I don't I don't enjoy working in an environment where you're watching the clock, saying, right. "Is it time to go?" And I also um, wanted the ability to expand my sales skills in a different arena you know my my background from being, you know, selling in pharmaceuticals was very different selling um even building my business selling uh in in vitamins and building that was very mm. different right and i i just became i guess uh totally intrigued with the world of tech and i i saw an opportunity for growth
0: <sighs> yeah okay pretty so we can add brilliant to the list of both. <laughs> Oh Stellar qualities. <laughs> yeah, stop. No, no, continue. Continue. Yeah. Um, no, I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So now, now that you're settled, now that we're, you know, fast forward three years, what were you saying about the challenge, the challenges, but again, on a macro level, right? About how tech perceives human beings with different. Backgrounds and/or like wherever else you were going to go with that statement, but now back to the now that you're here and like like can kind of look back a little bit. Like what what were you going to say?
1: Well, uh, like I said, tech can be quite pretentious. Um, I I faced ageism for the first time mm-hmm. in my life. I'm I'm only 42 years old, right? And interviewing with some people who were 10 or 15 years younger than me, right? was quite interesting. Yeah. Many of the interviews were great, but several of them, it was, it was as if I was some type of, you know, old dog that you couldn't teach anything new to. Right. And, and I was just, I was really taken aback. I had, I had one guy, um, I'll keep the company's name out of it, who I had, had a referral from a friend mm-hmm. and, you know, I don't know if he was just doing her a solid or whatnot. And he's, I don't know, 30. And, uh, a company that's rapidly growing. And, uh, I had a short interview with him. He's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're great. You know, go ahead and apply mm-hmm. crickets, nothing, heard nothing. Well then, because of the way their software works, uh, his CMO connects with me on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and we do a one-on-one and he's like, Oh, I think you'd be great to add to the team. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I said, Oh, well you should, you know, I've already talked to so-and-so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Needless to say, I got an immediate response that from so and so who who was like, "Oh, you really should apply for this position," mm. and it was just like, "Oh, you blew me off before." Thanks, <sighs> to, no thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and, Isn't and Funny how I, that happens. Oh gosh, I didn't think I'd fit in the culture anyway. Just because, because honestly, an age gap can be a good thing, and it can be completely different. You know, everything that they were posting on social media on LinkedIn and everything else um, I kind of got the feeling that I would have felt like you know the frat mom um, because it was such a young environment most everybody was you know right out of college and mm-hmm. I like fun I love fun mm-hmm. but I the more you know I ended up being a good thing uh, yeah. that that experience didn't work out but I had another one of these interviews that I had. And, and the VP who was interviewing me was actually quite a bit older than me and started talking about tech stack and, you know, you know, would I be able to keep up? And, you know, I just didn't, you know, didn't know if, you know, with the compensation plan, I mean, he was really kind of digging in. And I, and I said, have you ever, have you ever been a hundred percent commission? Have you, have you ever been a hundred percent commission where if you don't get up and you work, you don't work, you don't get paid. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I think I can do this. Yeah, and and when it comes to tech stack, I think one of the biggest things that people forget is you can teach that, you can teach Salesforce, you can teach Salesloft, you can teach HubSpot. What you can't teach our actual people skills. You you can't teach that. You know, can people get better? Yeah, but there are just some people who will never be cut out for sales, and and so. You know that was just very interesting to me. The whole like, oh, I don't know if you can handle the tech stack, and I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like trying trying
0: to keep the eyes from rolling so hard into the back of your head. Yeah. In moments like that, I've I'm I swear sometimes you could like literally see the blood dripping down my chin from biting my tongue so damn hard because it's hard sometimes. It's hard. It Although I will say that as I've aged, uh, my poker face has gotten. A- <laughs> little bit better, but that's crazy. Okay. So I I'm on the fence now about like the two questions that I want to ask you. It's so it's the idea of selling with authenticity, right? Being yourself and bringing who you are into how you sell. It's not necessarily a new concept per se, right? Connecting with buyers has always been important, but if if we're, I, I have, I've spent the past two days, like reading every like buyer trend, like report that came out in the past six months, like every single one of them. So, but it's become increased, it's astronomically more important now. And you're so good at it. You're so good at it. Like I, when I was, I was show, speaking with um Andy, Paul about, about you and about science and all this stuff, as you know, and he mentioned your, your use of video in a pause, in a positive way. And it was, it's like here, video is the tool that is amplifying again, all that work and mastery that you've established in like, like honing in on who you are and what you represent and bringing that into how you interact with potential buyers, like period, end of story. And so I think that there's a lot of people that would be very interested in understanding how to bridge that divide, like assuming that they've gotten to a point where they know who they are, but how can, how can they, what advice would you have for someone that wants to be more authentic in how they show up every day and be a little bit more human? And I don't even remember the second question or what that was. So this is the one that we're going to go with.
1: (laughs) Well, I think that, you know, to be honest, one of the uh, best things, couple. Well, there's been many, but one of the best things that has happened throughout my career was has been the personal development. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first books I read back in pharma was, you know, think like a think like a buyer, not not like a seller. Um, another one was Raving Fans, and and I always and raving fans was one that, uh, when I was personal training that the, the head of the the hospital run athletic club had us run because read, because, you know, getting that concept of showing up as who you are and and uh, knowing that you don't want this to be just transactional. Mm -hmm. If you want to have long lasting relationships you really have to become interested in them and authentically interested. I mean, don't ask some type of bullshit question that you don't really care about. Mm -hmm. like, And and really get to know them um, as much as you can on a human level. I always say I look for the me too moments. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, me too. Like, I really, I I like that too. Or, uh, you know, anything that you can have that connection with. Um, When I was in uh, network marketing, I would form people, family, occupation, recreation, message. And a lot of people would get form wrong. They would automatically assume that the M stood for money. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, how much money do they have to spend? No, if you don't get the first three right, you're not going to be able to even, you know, tailor your message appropriately and Mm -hmm. then ask them for the sale. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to find, questions are always the answer. You have to find that person's pain point and then with love push it over and over and over again uh, and and you know small things like you know people could tell a fake smile from from an authentic smile and mm-hmm. you know doing what you can to be present and engaged and you know looking somebody in the eye mm-hmm. making that eye contact watching their body language too knowing when to just shut up because they are checked out, Mm -hmm. uh, is, is also important, but personal growth and development is probably the best thing that anybody can do Mm -hmm. to move forward in every area of their life. Mm -hmm. And also some therapy therapy is also great. Highly recommend it for everybody (laughs) talking to my therapist again this weekend. Um, but you know, it, it, it is, uh, it is just also starting to really identify who you are and how you want to show up, Mm -hmm. how I show up today is a lot different than I showed up in the past, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and a lot of that came just down to growing and asking myself some really tough questions because I want people at the end of, at the end of all of this with me, I don't want people to say, Oh, Brie, she made a ton of money, but gosh, she was an asshole. Mm -hmm. What I'd really prefer is somebody to go that Brie, she helped me. Mm -hmm that's what I'm looking for. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Hope that helps.
0: It's, it's funny. I read at the start of the year, I was going through, I'm not finished with them, but HBR Harvard business review has their like best books or whatever, like the must reads, I think they're called. And one of them, it was called on managing yourself. And I grabbed it uh, in the airport. I was actually flying to Senegal for, for vacation friends, call it French. But anyway, I love shopping for books in the airport, whatever. But so I grabbed this book on managing yourself. And the first essay in this compilation of essays was written by Clayton M. Christensen, who's the guy that wrote The Innovator's Dilemma, I think. And he he actually passed away last year um, big time. And he challenged me in how I thought about like the success, the success proxies that I had for myself and on my life, essentially on, you know, the, the relationships that you form with others and how you show up for others and how consistent that is. But again, outside of the context of work and for me, and it like, it, I, I I still remember the feeling of like just the, I don't want to say gut check because not to say wasn't there yet, but I wasn't there yet. And so it just changed everything. And then when I think back on, what i learned while selling and the like the traps really it's so easy to fall into the traps and whether it's you know um valuing yourself how you value yourself whether it's based on your percentage of quota attainment or your win rate or how much money you're making compared to all of your peers or you know like there there's a lot of things that i needed to unlearn including over prepare for meetings right and how to just let go and like show up and lean into the conversation. But anyway, I I think that there, I well, one, I'm not the only one that fell into these traps. And so I've been very focused on, you know, kind of turning back and bringing value to those that are, you know, kind of coming up the ranks behind us. And so like, from your perspective, what, what, I don't want to say what were some of the biggest mistakes that that you made, but what were some of the things that you had to relearn About showing up and being present for others after like turning yourself into a machine, very much like I had in the, in a bit in a great way, right? Produce, deliver, you know, consistent, all that shit. But again, I I think that that is an important part to talk about when we talk about authenticity and like the people that others are listening to right now. So again, question on the table is what was the. What was one of the traps that you fell into? What was one of the things that you had to rethink or unlearn so that you could be more authentically yourself and be more present for, for others?
1: I think that probably the biggest thing is I had to uh, quit allowing what I thought others were thinking to dim my shine and to keep my voice quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that so often, you know, as women, especially, you know, if a, a woman has leadership skills, a little girl has leadership skills, she's bossy, right? Mm-hmm. Where a little boy has leadership skills. Oh, he is a great leader. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, growing up, you know, I was born in the late seventies and eighties, you know, growing up very much, there was, you know, even though women's empowerment had been happening, there were still social so societal programming that was mm-hmm. still very much ingrained in me mm-hmm. and you know i would say that in terms of being authentic it was it it was being willing to use the big mouth that i have to be very vulnerable and share my story because you know you 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 see it all the time on linkedin you've got you know the the perfect profile and everything else but You know, there's always something that leads somebody there. And I I've I've always been willing to share the backstory. You know, my son almost died. I went bankrupt. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, all these things that that happened because, you know, my son's father was a shit. I put myself through college on my own Mm -hmm. as a single mom. And and I think that that's what connects people human to human is when they can say, oh gosh it has been a struggle for them too. It's, Mm -hmm. it's not all been easy. It's not all been paved. And, and I, for a long time, I was very scared to share my story because I, I would say that there was a part of me that was very much a perfectionist. Um, I wanted to look a certain way. I wanted to act a certain way. I wanted to be seen a certain way. And then when I realized that vulnerability was one of my greatest assets, I just started using it. Um, because it, it creates those bonds and connections. And, and at the end of it, especially when people know that it hasn't all been just a road paved with you know gold, that we're humans, we, we tend to root for the underdog, right? We tend to say, oh, I want to see where they go. Mm-hmm. And then you can make these connections with people that are unbelievable, that are cheering you on every step of the way, because you were willing to say, this is who I am this is what has happened and I'm going to move forward. And, and it's fantastic to know that you have that kind of support. Um, you know, and, and it's just, it's owning your story is really what it is. It's owning your story.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many things. So, yeah. I, there was, um, were you, did you see, or were, did, had you seen anything that um, Mercy Lee Bell and Alyssa hart put out? They did this thing called Take Care last year. Did we talk about this? Take care? I don't think we did. Okay. So it was a 30 day event and it was a compilation of a hundred plus stories. And they created this digital universe where you would like navigate through this house and the stories that they gathered from people were, were grouped together by category. And i I kept a how I listened to this audio diary, right and the to hear mercy and Mercy did one of the episodes so for listener friends that's I think episode five is Mercy Lee Bell manifests magnificence at scale and we talk about this, but this idea that the journeys are messy, and right. that most of us tend to hide the messy, right? And there's a ton of reasons that go into that, including social media and like, you know, putting the best foot forward and, or society values success or the, you know, and so we don't tend to talk about our mistakes as much or the messiness, but the reality is that we all have messiness in our lives or have had messiness at some point. And so there, the work and the mission of Take Care was to normalize the messy and normalize, the journey, and but what I I bring it up because when I was listening to some of these stories, right? Some of them I could totally identify with, right? The burnout, the mental health, like there's a there's a bunch of stuff. But then there are some things that I have absolutely zero experience with, like living with a chronic illness, mm-hmm. really grief I, at a deep level. I I mean, with the exception of my grandparents, like I. But as I was listening to the stories of people that had experienced, uh their own journey that was so different than mine, regardless of whatever that journey was, the feelings that the people were expressing when they shared their story, I could relate to almost every single one of them. And so this is a long-winded way of saying that we're more alike than, than different. And Absolutely. sometimes we allow these like I don't even want to say arbitrary differences like where we grew up or our skin color or our age or you know who we're attracted to or and who we love. like we allow these things to impede our our desire, I guess you could say, to step across those divides and show up in a real and vulnerable way long enough. To find that common ground as you described (laughs) and go in that direction. And it really, it, it blew me away that, but anyway, so that, that was the thing about what you said with the stories and it's, I'm laughing the first time after I did Andy Paul's um, show, he, I asked him when we were done, like, how could I have done better? Right. It was my first podcast ever. And he was like, tell more of your story. And I was like, "Mm, okay, yes, sir. Got it, got it, got it. And so that's what we did. But the second one about thing that you said, I want to bring it back to like our, our target audience, right? And selling. And this is something that we cover in the Jeff Bajoric episode. Jeff Bajoric does discovery. He's so great. <laughs> oh my God. He's one of my faves. But so Jeff and I were talking about vulnerability as it related to, you know, having conversations and asking questions during the discovery process with buyers. And the idea is that one of the ways that we forge these connections, right, which is the foundation for trust and understanding and all that shit, curiosity, generosity, all of it. Um Requires us as sellers to more often than not be vulnerable, but not only just be vulnerable, but be vulnerable first. And that is exceptionally hard to do with strangers, like again and again and again. And I like, I know you got the top of the funnel on lockdown, but like, what would you say to vulnerability and like being in a conversation for the first time with a buyer how do you navigate where the line is how do you navigate which parts of your story to share when and with whom and how do you use those skills and that courageousness on top of all your other like you know stellar qualities that have been hard forged obviously cuz you i'm sure we're born with a default brain too just like me uh and all of us but how did how would you what would you say to that like what kind of advice well, I very, or yeah.
1: I was very fortunate because in network marketing, you, you story sell, that's what they do. And, mm-hmm. um, I, for 10 years, I got very good at sharing my story with the world. I mm-hmm. think, you know, there's still plenty of before and after pictures of me, you know, various stages of fitness and everything floating around out there on the internet. And, you know, and some of those pictures were not pictures I really wanted to show. Like, you know, when I had gotten depressed and I had put on nearly 80 pounds, like that was not a happy time for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, people want to see that vulnerability. And I would say that when it comes to actually getting, you know, past the discovery, past the top of the funnel stuff and and having those conversations, um, it's, it's leading first, you know, I mean, in the way that you don't have to give them this whole, you know, nobody wants your whole pitch right away anyway. Um, But, you know, finding that opportunity to share even just a teeny tiny bit of who you are and what you're about and make it relatable um, because, you know, ideally by the time you're getting to that phase in the sales process, you should, you should know more about who it is that you're talking about. You should know about your prospect and know about what their possible pain points are. But, you know, sharing, but then really, like I said, questions are always the answers. Authentically asking a question, you know, it's as simple as, well, why is that important to you? Yeah. <laughs> what why would you do that? Right. You know, things like that that are very simple questions, but get people to go, Oh, well, I'll explain deeper. why I'm going to do it. This is what's important to me. Yeah. And, and, um, and again, just going back to being willing to be you, I think on LinkedIn, you know, it's interesting. I see a lot of people who are like, this is not Facebook. This is not LinkedIn appropriate. Yeah. 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 And it's like, yes, it is like, You know, the the story I share like about when my son almost died, you know, the picture I put up last week with with him in the hospital and him him now, you Mm -hmm. know, um, that was a pivotal point of my life Mm -hmm. that had it not happened, I wouldn't be talking to you today. Mm -hmm. And and we all have those pivotal moments. And in the sales process, finding a way to, you know, let your mess be your message is is really what it comes down to um, and make that connection.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Like I, there, we were talking about before, like I, I was neat. I was, i cleared my calendar day to work on two things, both the, the wellness program and then the other stuff. And what you just shared touched on something I was trying to figure out today and like unravel on two fronts. And so I'm for one I'm personally excited that this is recorded because I can just go back and listen to it. But thank you very much, friend. That was insanely okay. helpful. That was insanely helpful. Oh my gosh. Okay. Sorry, listeners, I can't even repeat it back to you what I heard. I'm too so like focused on my own, like what the value that I just personally gained from that one. Jesus Christ. All right, Brie. so last one before I we pivot into our final two questions, like, okay, so you you touched on continuous learning and I, I've watched you take on new things pretty consistently now for almost, gosh, what's it been? at least almost 10 months, yeah, almost a year. How do you decide? what you're going to learn next, like what you're going to work on, right? Because as, as we know, we don't, when we're trying something new, we don't boil the ocean. We do not expect to step into conscious incompetence phase and, you know, learn everything immediately, right? We break it down into pieces and we take it on. And I know you're very intentional with these decisions. So I guess, what are you working on learning right now? And how did you decide that this was going to be a relevant thing?
1: Hmm. Well, when it comes to what I do every day for work, um, I am still, I'm still getting into the tech stack, and I'm still figuring out ways. You know, YouTube teaches you everything. You can't find, can't find. I learned how to change the headlights in my car on YouTube. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it teaches you everything.
0: Yeah,
1: and and you know, I, I'll answer this in two parts. And professionally, you have to look at. Where are my skills lacking, and if I want to stay competitive in the marketplace that I'm in and mm-hmm. be a sought after resource or an invaluable resource to my employer, I got to stay on top of my game. So you know, I I'm very diligent about saying, "Oh, I don't know this," and I'm either going to go ask somebody who does, or I'm going to go and and try to find the resource myself. Mm-hmm. And and I'll be honest. Um, I'm very right-brained, not very left, left-brained left uh, at times, and it's not the most fun thing for me. But when it comes to personal development, I'm really in a, a you caught me at a phase of, of life where uh, it's very interesting time, you know, being a recent empty nester and trying to figure out, you know, I was 22 when I had my son, I'm 42 now, and now is my time. I mean, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the things that I I wasn't able to do in my 20s because I was, you know, a young single mom and building a career and everything else I can do now. So I kind of feel like have you ever seen that movie, Yes, Man with Jim Carrey. We just watched it recently. I know exactly. Yes, Yes, man. Yes, man. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I kind of feel like like Jim Carrey and Yes, Man, where I stop and I ask myself, I'm like, ooh, is that interesting to me? do I want to try it? Yeah, I think so. So, uh, I actually, this is fun. Oh, I actually am looking into learning how to do kite surfing down here since I'm now living in Florida. Okay. Which will also help me alleviate. Cause I was a competitive swimmer when I was growing up, Okay, but I, know, well, I can swim but I'm a little scared of the things in the water that can eat me. <laughs> so it's also going to like help me uh, get over that fear too, or I'll just get, <laughs> <I'll
0: just game. laughs> roll the dice, you know? Um, okay. Okay. That was, that's interesting. Um, it's funny. I don't necessarily subscribe to the right brain versus left brain frame, but I think we can leave that one for that conversation for a different day. Like, I, I feel like there's an art and a science to everything. Well, I
1: think everybody learns in a different way. Oh so, yeah. We all like, have different I, learning styles. Yeah. Like when I told my son, you know, when it came to basic chemistry and, 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 you know, math, I struggled, but once I put it in the human body, I understood physics, I understood chemistry
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: and it became alive to me. So I think it, it does definitely come down to, you know, how, how you learn and how you process everything.
0: Yeah. Which is, an important thing to be aware of friends. Yes. Um, if anybody interested in in how to suss out what your learning style is, hit me up uh, or maybe I'll do an episode on that. Um, okay, great. So these are the, the final two questions. <sighs> what is the most uncomfortable conversation that you've ever, ever had to have in a revenue context? Like real conversation, tell us a story. Well...
1: I would say, uh, I think as a woman, we've all had, uh, some uncomfortable things happen in particular when you're a young woman in sales and, and I wouldn't say things are all that much different now, but I would say that, you know, in the early 2000s, um, things were still very much the good old boys club and, um, and you know, I remember being in pharma and I was, it was a very uncomfortable, you know, part of my job was to wine and dine these doctors too. Oh yes. Yeah. But you know, I was 25. I was, you know, in heels, I'm nearly six foot tall. I basically looked like a Barbie doll at the time. And uh, there was always having to put them, put several of them in their place Of, you know, this is not a romantic or a flirtatious, this is, this is business. And, and, and then back your mind, though, there's always that fear of, is this going to, you know, is this going to affect me financially? Are they, you know, and, and it's a really it's it's a personally uncomfortable spot to be in that I wouldn't wish on anyone and you know it wasn't one of those things that until I had experience until you experience it you might not think it's real but when when you have somebody who is putting their hand on your leg under the table at dinner and he's 20 years your senior as a doctor and he thinks that's okay that's not okay hmm. you know and and you know there are things that that you know when i was younger i think i probably out of being uncomfortable myself and that worry as a single mom saying oh my gosh am i going to have a job you know how am i going to support my son you know gently brushed off you know haha you know inappropriate jokes or things like that but it was all tied to my job and mm-hmm. and that experience Taught me so much, especially moving forward and as I mature. And you had the Me Too movement and everything else. Um, and I hope for all women in sales, and particularly young women, that they are able to assert themselves, set healthy boundaries, be able to be seen as as an, a, a true leader and asset, and um, and not uh, not feel like they have to you know, let their guard down in any way just to be employed.
0: What an interesting take to talk about the conversations that you didn't have, um, because of those, the power dynamics. And I feel you hard. Like there was, I, I sold into big law, right? Mm -hmm. So I remember when I, we were getting it, whatever, somebody, um, there was the time I finally put my foot down. I'll remember it. Like it was a $75,000 deal. Not that I'm still remembering it, but uh, <laughs> uh, the ask was that we, we discuss it further at the Turkish bathhouse. And part of me was like, I had never been to a Turkish bathhouse. So I was like, mm, uh, like kind of justifying it, like, a, you know, whatever. And I got ready, right. Whatever. went all the way down there and I had my hand on the door and I just, I, I walked away. I was like, I'm not, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore, but I've never, there hasn't been anyone on the show that talks about the conversations that they didn't have. Yeah. Listener friends. um, This is not all men, obviously, but whenever there's a power dynamic, right. At play when you're a seller and you're a buyer and there are percentages of the population that take advantage of that power dynamic. I was, Bri. I almost asked you, like, was it a harder conversation with the person when you put your foot down or when you tried to turn internally to your boss and say, this is what's going on. And then they want that revenue more than. My boss,
1: she was horrendous. She was, they finally shit canned her after everybody went to, uh, to HR on her, but, um, no, she. I think she would have preferred that I just, you know, take one for the team and sleep with them.
0: That's the, that is the normal. Yeah. I was having, I think it was Casey Jones who's over at, she leads up our galaxy and she, um, we were having this conversation, like what's harder, the actual, the event itself or then when you turn internally and try to, but, and you're either not believed or like, Oh, it's not that bad. Or like, can you just take one for the team? And she, you know, made a brilliant case really that it's, it's harder when you, when you bring it internally. Um, and then and, when you're judged by what you wear and, you know, well it, it, and women do that to you when women ask,
1: what were you wearing? Really? Like, We can't hold men to a higher standard.
0: Yeah, like this is yeah. When is it about? Yeah. Um. Okay. So we. I'm gonna get all fired up, and I'm trying to like roll my or unwind now here, Brie, because it's the end of the day. So we're gonna we'll talk about this one offline, or maybe you could come back for a round two because we could go even. I bet we could do this all fucking day. Okay. So second one, last last and last one. One piece of advice for our listeners about uncomfortable conversations
1: rip the bandaid off and just have it,
0: have them.
1: Otherwise you're going to be internalizing it and thinking about it and carrying that baggage with you forever, Mm. rip it off, have it move forward.
0: Yes. Yes. I mean, I can't even touch them on that one's beautiful. Um, okay. So how can people find you if they're interested in learning more or following your brilliance? Where, what, where can they find you?
1: LinkedIn is the platform that I use the most. So, you know,
0: forward slash Bree Sprague. Oh, I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes. All right, listeners. That's, this is, this is a human being that you want to have on the the follow radar if for nothing else, just to see how Bree is using video and using the skills that she's cultivated over her life so far um, with mastery and pizzazz and beauty and strength and, all of the amazing, wonderful things. So Brie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank You're you, awesome. thank you, thank you for investing time. Yeah. It means a lot. And
1: one last thing. Sure. And I'm so grateful to be on this. Uh use humor. The world is is too stuffy. Make people laugh. And you know, even if you only have one joke you can tell, <laughs> learn how to tell it and tell it well. Yeah. Like people, people need more joy. So use it.
0: Yes. I think that was the first time anybody said that. I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. I had to, hit I had to disclose when I was field training people like, listen, I've only got like five jokes. And so we're going to be on like four or five appointments today. So you're going to hear them as well. Like demystify that one today. So yeah, you don't have to be a professional comedian, but making people laugh diffuses tough situations It brings joy and that is an excellent piece of advice. All right, Brie, you're the best. Thank you. I'll talk to you so very soon. Um, Listener friends, thank you as well for investing the time with us today and hanging around through to completion. It means the world. (sighs) All right, Brie, have a beautiful night. Truth, love and joy, friends, and happy selling. So that was Bree Sprague on how to execute career pivots with grace, intention, and resilience, as well as a spin through the art and science of influence. Uh, for anyone that's listened to the show for a hot second, you would know that's like my favorite topic. Anyway, that wraps another installment of the Revenue Real Hotline. I'm your host, Amy Rehubchuk. Thanks for hanging out today with us. It means the world. If you found any value in things discussed, don't forget to subscribe to the show or head on over to revenuereel.com and let me know how we're doing in the form of, the re- of a review. Uh, feedback is my love language after all. Well, that and data. Ah, truth, love, and joy, friends. Happy selling.